a defiant Herschel Walker rejects the abortion allegations. I'm not going to back down. The stakes are way, way too high. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy. We're two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just listening to us for the first time, welcome. We invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode of Politically Georgia. And Patricia, we're in such a time crunch that right now you are taping this podcast from the road. I'm stuck at a gas station somewhere in on I-20, but you're, you're, you're rushing to make a flight, so you are, you are driving and potting at the same time, but doing it safely. Uh, yes, it's true. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for the background noise, but I'm on I-20 West, hoping to make my flight, and um, I guess I can report back next podcast about whether I made it or not. And we have had a very long very long week and very long day in particular chasing Herschel Walker and all of the different allegations and uh, potential aftermath fallout of these bombshell stories reported by our friends over at the Daily Beast. Uh, Greg, I've had a lot of wild weeks in reporting on politics and this ranks up as one of the wildest. And I don't think we've ever covered such a bizarre campaign appearance as we did at a lumberyard in the beautiful city of Wadley, about three hours east of Atlanta. We're going to get to all that and also what Herschel Walker said to us and other reporters after his campaign stop in the town of Wadley. Plus, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, and Patricia and I will have our who's up and who's down for the week. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Next Tuesday, we invite you to join our first ever live taping of the Politically Georgia podcast. It'll be at Manuel's Tavern. Doors open at 6 p.m. Everyone gets free appetizers and a drink ticket, so come early. Then you can be part of the show at 7 p.m. We're going to break down the big debate, take your questions, talk about all the issues. So if you want to join us, go to live.ajc.com and scroll down until you see the Politically Georgia section or look for the link in today's episode description. You can also bug Patricia and I if you have any problems. We've already fielded some questions from some of our loyal listeners and helped them out. That's live.ajc.com to join us for our first live taping of Politically Georgia at Manuel's Tavern. Okay, Patricia, in the world of political coverage, there's the doers and the tweeters. The doers get out there and meet voters. They go to campaign trail stops. They write stories. The tweeters, well, they kind of just tweet. We at the AJC, <laughs> we value the doers. And boy, was this a day for getting out there on the trail. So for those who think the campaign trail is glamorous, we've got some news for you. 
we were about five minutes away from a lumber yard, three hours from Atlanta, when we get a note saying the event with Herschel Walker was delayed by a scant, I don't know, three, four hours. So what do we do? We befriended the local owners of a cafe in Louisville, Georgia, and we hung out there for, for about three hours working on stories and talking to folks and catching up with other people who used that place as a refuge. But that's just kind of a day on the campaign trail. Yes, it was just that kind of day generally. Um, this is definitely not what you expect in a situation like this, unless there's something going terribly wrong, to be honest with you. Um, this was Herschel Walker's first public appearance since these bombshell allegations came out in the Daily Beast, um, which we have not been able to um, you know, independently verify. So we had a lot of questions for Herschel Walker. Um, it's also the first time since his son Christian uh, posted multiple uh, messages and a video to Twitter, basically saying that his father's entire campaign has been a lie. And and then detailing uh, just the level of violence that he and his mother mm-hmm. experienced living with Herschel Walker and then trying to get away from Herschel Walker. So it was it's just all of this was hanging in the air. And then we are on our way to this event um, scheduled for 10 a.m. And at about 9.50, get an email that says, uh, oh, actually, it's at one o'clock. Very, very strange. And even once we got there at one, it really didn't start until 1.30. It did not have the feel of a, of a highly tuned operation in that moment. I'm sure they have been scrambling to figure out exactly how to respond. And the response that we got was almost as unusual as the lead up to it. Yeah, let's talk about that because the campaign's in turmoil. There's no doubt about that. There are these double whammy of of reports from the Daily Beast. Not only was the first report say that a woman in 2009 said that Herschel Walker paid for her abortion, but then they followed up by saying that despite Herschel Walker's claims that he does not know the woman, that he never paid for Uh, anyone's abortion, the Daily Beast reported that that same woman later bore one of Herschel Walker's children, that she had a a baby with him later on, a few years later. So some bombshell allegations, but the bigger bombshell, of course, in one sense, was that his own son, his own adult son, Christian Walker, took to social media and said that he felt betrayed by his own father, that his father was a liar, his father was making a mockery of the family, and a later tweet basically that his father should go use some condoms, should use some birth control. So not something we normally talk about on the campaign trail. And then fast forward to Thursday when he had his first major public campaign event responding. He's had a few interviews, but this was his first big event responding to these allegations. And Patricia, you know, he took the stage and let's test the scene. This was a giant sprawling lumber yard, not the typical place where you hold any sort of campaign event or any event at all. There's like sawdust in the air. There's giant forklifts moving, you know, giant pieces of lumber in the background. There's all sorts of background noise. And Herschel's on a stage and the audience, most of them look like they did not want to be there. There were shift workers who required to be there by their boss. And there was very little response. There's a few, you know, Republicans, local Republicans who drove in. But he was up there giving a long stump speech. And there was very little laughter, there's very little applause, there's very little reaction whatsoever. And I think the most telling part of it was doing a stump speech, Herschel didn't, barely talked about a Senate campaign and didn't talk about these allegations one iota. 
No, not at all. And so to your point, the location for this event, we'd understood it might be, it is close to Wrightsville, which is Herschel Walker's hometown where he does have a good bit of support. So we have been told, but you know, they'll maybe able to build a crowd from Wrightsville instead. And the crowd, as you said, were shift workers. Many of them did not speak English, to be honest with you. I was standing in the back and what looked like the foreman came up to one of the workers and said, hey, you can get closer if you want to. And the and the guy said, I'm, I'm good. I'm good right here. Thanks. I don't need to get any closer. <laughs> uh, after all that, Herschel Walker, you know, he doesn't address the allegations on the stage, but of course he has a, uh, a little press availability with dozens of reporters from all sorts of national outlets, as well as a handful of us local reporters. He's surrounded by us, extra his campaign bus. And before he takes any questions, kind of takes out a piece of paper and reads from a script. Here's what he says. What I would like to talk about is how Joe Biden and Raphael Warnock has hurt Georgia families and on everything from safety, groceries, and gas. And when Senator Warnock took office, he said he was going to keep us safe. And instead, he let crime criminals out of jail. And he kept the border wide open. And when he took office, he said he was going to keep American family first. And instead, he put Joe Biden first. And I'm running to put Georgia first back. But I know I know why you're here. I do. And you're here because the Democrats are desperate to hold on to this seat here. And uh, they're desperate to make this race about my family because they know they don't want to talk about Joe Biden and Raphael Warnock, what they've done to Georgia families. They're desperate to hold on to power. They're willing to say and do anything. But let me tell you this, I'm not deterred, I'm not scared. And I'm not gonna bike down. The stakes are way, way too high. And we're going to win this race. They knew it. We're gonna put Georgia first again. So he's shifting to public safety, he's shifting to the economy, issues that Republicans would much rather talk about than abortion. And here's what Herschel Walker said when directly asked why voters should believe him over his own 23-year-old son who said that you know, his father was a liar, that he was upset his father had you know, humiliated his family, and, and who even said his father should go start practicing safe sex. Because I love my son so much. He's a great little man. I love him to death. And you know what? I will always love him, no matter what my son says. So he's not taking any shots. He's not trying to get in a deepening family feud with his son, who's stuck by his words about his own father. Um, later on, Herschel Walker was also asked by a reporter if he reached out to any of the mothers of his children. We know of uh, of at least four of his children. Here's what he said. No. Ask why. Why not? Uh, why do I need to? Well, because according to the article, one uh, the woman who says that you paid for her to have an abortion is also the mother of one of your children. It seems like that's that's an easy way. To because of the article, I had more kids. That's why I didn't reach out to anyone because I said no. And that's what I mean. When I said no, I I said it's not correct. That's a lie. And that's what I mean. That's a lie. Okay, I don't really understand that answer so much. But uh, overall, I understand that he is saying over and over again that these reports are lies. We at the AJC have not independently verified them. We have reached out to the woman who we've been able to internally identify. Uh, She has declined comment. And uh, we will continue to, you know, try to get her to speak to us. But at the same time, we have not been able to verify the Daily Beast reports so we'll continue to talk about Herschel Walker's 
denial of them. Also, we should note, Herschel Walker said he would file a defamation lawsuit the day after this report came out. As of this podcast taping, it has been multiple days, and he has yet to follow that lawsuit. And his critics and even some of his supporters say it's just a stalling tactic. It's just something he can say to deflect some attention away from this entire episode. But Patricia, there's no doubt his campaign right now is reeling and is looking for a way to stabilize. Yes, they are clearly looking for a reboot. When this press conference was three and a half hours late, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is he? Is it possible that he's dropping out right now? Because that kind of felt like it might be going in that direction. But it's very clear he's not dropping out. That's not a thing. But the, they're definitely looking for a way for him to be out in public, out with reporters. And now there's just going to be an army of reporters chasing him until election day. How can he be out and about meeting with voters, putting on a good face, conducting campaign events that are effective, but also dealing with these allegations and dealing with what's going on with his son? I mean, it is this is just an incredibly, incredibly difficult situation for any campaign for a candidate who has never run for office before, who has a his first ever debate lingering out there a week away. You could feel attention. You could see the strain on his face. He was sweating quite a bit when he went to the microphones to talk to reporters. Mm -hmm. He took about four or five questions and then very quickly his staff cut it off. He walked away to the bus and um, reporters, national reporters were chasing him, screaming more questions. And it just was feeling very, very chaotic. And it also felt like they did not get the job done that needed to be done, which was just to to simply state, I'm staying in this race. I will discuss this further. You know, anything. There was just sort of mm -hmm. no, no declaration of the direction of the campaign, nor of the plan going forward of how to balance these two really, really difficult competing situations, which is the need to be out in front of voters. And then um, the requirement to also formulate some kind of an effective response to what's going on in his personal life. Yeah, I mean, he didn't address it head on before the audience. He waited until he was addressing reporters. He does not have sort of any sort of effective counter, right? He didn't have evidence. I don't know how you have evidence, but he didn't he didn't provide any more details about why these these allegations were not true. And I think the biggest issue he has is is the credibility question, right? Yeah. If this this sort of complaint had been lodged against another Republican, that candidate might be given the benefit of the doubt. But because of Herschel Walker's history, there are a significant number of voters, even within his own party, who don't believe him. Now, some of those voters, and we've talked to some of them, they're quoted in my most, most recent AJC story. They say, look, he might be lying, but I'm still voting for him because I want a Republican Senate, right? And there is a, a, a probably a, a large number of voters who feel that way. But there are also some voters who feel like he is unfit for office already, even before some of these Daily Beast stories, right? But now that trend might be intensifying, and that's exactly what is keeping Republicans up at night right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the reality is that when he, he has not consolidated the Republican vote yet, and a large number of those we've been saying all along still want to see a demonstration of competence, you know, not just credibility, but competence. I can do this job. And in that press conference that was delayed, that was in a very strange location. And when he did not address the elephant in the room, it didn't feel like somebody ready to tackle something big. It felt like somebody who was overwhelmed and somebody who was scrambling to deal with something that should have been expected that's, but seems to have been totally 
unexpected. And I think if you, it's possible to deal with these kinds of situations. If you look kind of a long time ago, there was a time when Chris Christie got himself into a boatload of trouble with this bridge closure scandal. And um, there were all kinds of allegations. A number of his staff even ended up going to jail over it. But he held a press conference with local and national reporters for two full hours in the aftermath of that and said, I will answer any question you have. And it just diffused the situation so completely that once people asked him about it in the days following, he said, look, I just answered all the questions. I just spoke to reporters for two full hours and I've gotten all of the answers out there. If that's not satisfactory, that's fine, but I'm done answering questions about that. And and that was very, very effective. So I think voters are still willing to, t- to hear explanations, but that's not what this was today. This was an event. I th- it felt like it was just an event to have an event to say that an event has been had and yeah. uh, just to kind of get out of there, just get out of there alive. Like, don't make any mistakes. Don't say too much. Don't let too many mm-hmm. people ask questions. And that is just the wrong defensive posture with, you know, about 30 days left until Election Day. And the visual was pretty brutal. Uh, you, you guys could hear it on the audio of him flipping a paper, but he is literally reading from a, a white piece of paper exactly what that statement is, that opening statement. And, you know, later on he took questions. Of course, he wasn't reading from a paper, but that opening statement was very terse, very scripted, and it, it wasn't like he memorized any of it. He was looking down, reading um, directly from a piece of paper. And as you mentioned, Patricia, national reporters are now all over this story as well. Me and you, we've been getting more questions about the Fulton County Grand Jury from uh, investigating Donald Trump, from our friends in the national media up until now. And now it's all <laughs> and now it's all gone back into into Georgia political overdrive. Even on the way back from Wadley, Georgia, I had to pull over and do a TV hit from my car. So that's how hyper intense <laughs> the attention is on all this. And meanwhile, Senator Raphael Warnock is taking a really interesting approach. I was with him on Monday when that first Daily Beast story broke. And, you know, he said, look, I, I'm just focused on my campaign. A couple days later, still the same. He is not going out there and overtly mentioning it. Uh, he, or he's, he's touching on it very sparingly. What Democrats are worried about right now is a sort of boomerang effect. They don't want to give Republicans some new fodder to try to unify over. Right now, they just kind of want the story to stay as a Herschel Walker headache and not sort of try to intervene. Yes. I mean, you know, the saying goes, if your opponent is digging his own grave, don't take away the shovel, you know, sort of like stand out of the way and let it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I mean, to your point, if there's any race that can be nationalized and overwhelmed by national events, this is the race because it could come down to control of the U.S. Senate for this exact Um, between these two men. And it is very possible. And we've talked to all of these voters who said, look, I'm not crazy about Herschel Walker, but I also um, am not crazy about Joe Biden. In fact, I don't like Joe Biden at all. And I would really like him not to have a Democratic Senate to greenlight all of these things. So there is this larger policy situation. Joe Biden is at 36% in the state, which is definitely lower than Herschel Walker. (laughs) So um, it is a situation where this race really could go either way. But with the events unfolding as they are right now, 
Herschel Walker is scrambling to respond to this firestorm of media allegations, um, and particularly the situation with his son is especially damaging. And in the meantime, Raphael Warnock has gone down to Savannah for the dedication of a street in his honor. You know, that that's the event that he's doing that day. So it's a real juxtaposition. Raphael Warnock can be on message talking about what he wants to talk about to the people he wants to talk about it with, um, run his own media campaign. He doesn't have to spend an entire ad, as Herschel Walker did, sort of setting the table for who I am, um, which is sort of his la- latest ad, to say I've had a lot of problems, but I, you know, with the grace of God, have overcome them. That's really not the type of ad that you have going into the last few weeks of an election, but that's what Herschel Walker really needed to do. And so Raphael Warnock, you know, on the other hand, is able to run an economic message. He's still talking about Ted Cruz. He's still talking about ways he's been able to work with Republicans. He can mm-hmm. kind of talk about whatever he wants to, while Herschel Walker is very much on the defensive and responding to the questions that are just coming flying at him from reporters all over the place. And we should note the debate between Senator Warnock and Herschel Walker is still on for next Friday. Our friend Maya King over at The New York Times asked him that just to make sure, because there were some rumors, not just that Herschel Walker uh, might drop out of the race, which, you know, would have basically ended any Republican chances of, of winning because it's too late to replace him on the ballot. But there's also some speculation that he might now back out of the debate. I talked to some um, Walker advisors even before that press conference who said, nope, he's going to, of course, he's going to stay in the race, but also he's going to stay in the debate. So we are, will be geared up for that big event next Friday. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we're two of the authors of the Morning Joel newsletter, which sets the stakes in the agenda in Georgia politics. You can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can join the community now, this instant, by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That subscribe that ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. Also, you can now call the Politically Georgia podcast hotline anytime, leave a question, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. And our wonderful producer, Shaney B., is monitoring that hotline every moment, every instant, with a dedicated team of interns. And really, I guess you, you kind of drafted a bunch of conscripts. So, um, so, <laughs> so there's some teenagers on the team. There's some 
uh, oh, ve- retired veterans. I, said I, I had a bunch of convicts answering the phones. Just, <laughs> well, we can put that on the list. Which too. is okay, too. <laughs> Which is okay, too. Hey, you know, everybody deserves a second chance, right? And now is your chance. Cheney, what, what do we have for this week? Well, first of all. <laughs> okay, now I can do this. Oh, now we're in. We got a phone call earlier this week before this Daily Beast story broke, and we had a call from Daniel who has a question about a missed opportunity for Herschel Walker. My question is this. Is Herschel Walker missing a massive opportunity but not coveting the black male vote? I feel like it's still out there for the taking, so to speak, and it doesn't seem like he's even trying to even speak to the black male voter in Georgia. Patricia, you want to take that one? Uh, Sure. Well, I think he has been courting the black male vote with at least some events. I mean, there are there is now a um, Republican National Committee kind of community center down in College Park where Herschel Walker has been on um, a few occasions and he'll do an event with uh, black business owners. He'll do an event with kind of black community organizers. And I think that he is definitely, at least up to this point, had been really working to do some outreach, some targeted outreach to black voters, Asian voters, Hispanic voters. So for sure, I think that uh, had been a part of his campaign up to now. Um, You know, whether or not it's a message that every black voter is going to respond to is a different story. But I think he had at least up to now been um, for sure going after some of the communities that you don't see U.S. Senate Republican nominees go after as directly. And I think because he is a black voter himself, There has been a lot of hope within the Republican community that he could start to help to chip away at their deficiencies among black voters. Ironically, one of the people we've seen doing better with black voters is Governor Brian Kemp. His economic message seems to be one that is uh, has cross section appeal so far. Yeah, Patricia, I mean, look, you were at an event for Governor Kemp earlier this week that specifically targeted black voters. We haven't seen that as much from Herschel Walker But Governor Kemp is trying to expand his map, essentially, to more black voters. Herschel Walker, one reason why we haven't seen that as much, he's got an entirely different problem. You know, Kemp has consolidated the Republican base. Herschel Walker has not. You know, he has about 80 percent of support from Republicans in in many of the polls, including AJC polls. But he needs to be closer to 95 percent where Governor Kemp is. And so a lot of his messaging is geared towards getting that those core conservative voters in his camp rather than trying to kind of expand the map and trying to win over some more black voters. I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just a lot of his messaging has has been that way. And at his events, they're overwhelmingly white. They're overwhelming. They're mostly older. And one of the messages is, hey, you don't have to apologize for your whiteness. And that goes over very well with an older, whiter, conservative crowd. Yes. And I mean, I've been at events where he specifically says, you know, I think it's very unfair that people say that Republicans are racist. You in this room, you are not racist. I mean, here you are supporting me. So how can you be racist? And again, that goes over extremely well with those crowds, which are mostly white. And I think they feel kind of a sense of relief, like, oh, finally, no one's trying to make me feel bad about something. I think it's, uh, you know, it's effective in those audiences, but they are, it is extremely white. And those events that Walker was doing earlier in the campaign were indeed earlier in the campaign um, when I think it did, it, it seemed like he was going to be able to consolidate Republican voters more effectively. Um, in the last several weeks, we've seen him really take uh, quite a hard tack to the right, talking more about uh, transgender sports, taking a number of uh, and highlighting a number of extremely conservative 
conservative positions that are just not the kind of things you'd be talking about in a general election if you had already wrapped up the work um, with your GOP base. Shaney B, do we have another question? Ba-ba-bum. We have another question. This is about Governor Kemp's COVID response. This caller is Mark from Tucker. I do have an issue uh, that I would like to see you all discuss that has been little researched and seldom discussed. Uh, Brian Kemp brags about keeping the state open during critical stages of the pandemic. However, more people died in Georgia than similar-sized North Carolina. Specifically, Georgia has about 10.5 million people with 38,700 deaths from COVID. North Carolina has about 10.4 million people with 26,500 deaths. North Carolina has a Democratic governor who put more protections into place, similar protections that Stacey Abrams supported. So Kemp is responsible for 12,000 more people dying because he did not want to enact similar protections. Do the people of Georgia think that that 12,000 deaths is worth keeping the state more open? Appreciate it if you would discuss this. Thank you. Love your program. Mark, thank you so much for the questions. We can't vouch for his math um, because I'm hearing this for the first time. But I, what I can say is that Democrats have chosen not to make this an issue. It's really interesting because this might be at the core of Governor Kemp's economic message. It's that his decision to open Georgia's economy uh, early, right, even at a time when former President Donald Trump, who was then the president, was criticizing him, the media, look, including me at the AJC, we were critical of that decision. It was a very fraught moment at a time when there was a lot of fears about the pandemic worsening. And of course, it did end up worsening. But at the time when he faced a, a criticism from the left, from the right, from Democrats, from Republicans, from the media, it's a core message of his, of his argument that he went forward with the, with the economic opening and he feels like it's the reason why Georgia's economy is now doing better than the national economy with lower joblessness rates and other metrics that show Georgia is a step above some of the issues that are plaguing our national economy. But Democrats aren't seizing on, on what Mark just said. They are not going back and questioning Governor Kemp's decision. They would rather talk about other issues, including abortion, including guns, but they certainly aren't out there. Stacey Abrams is not out there saying Governor Kemp shouldn't have reopened the economy early. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I mean, this, to the caller's point, when I was at the Kemp event earlier this week, Kemp pointed to his COVID response repeatedly as a reason that people should support him and should vote for him. And there wasn't any pushback from the audience. I mean, it's a very polite audience. It wasn't that kind of event. Um, But I think it's a missed opportunity for Stacey Abrams, for sure. Um, She has had so many different messages. This is one message I have been waiting to hear from them and haven't heard a lot of. Um, Kemp is very, very vocal and quite frankly proud. He's very pleased with the decision to reopen the economy. He said, listen, all of Georgia suffered losses. He had losses in his own family from COVID, but he really stands by that decision. And I think the Abrams campaign, if they said exactly what that caller said, it would really put a dent in that argument for Kemp. Now is time for our who's up and who's down segment. It always reminds me of like who wants to be a millionaire. But Joshua, let's start Let's end on a positive note. So let's start at a negative note. Who's your who's down for the week? 
Well, I think my who's down is fairly obvious. I think Herschel Walker had one of the worst weeks a candidate could have. Um, it is really been one of those weeks that we'll remember forever. I think when we look back on the campaigns that we covered, um, it's just been a really horrendous week for Walker. It doesn't mean he can't recover from it, but it means this is probably the low point um, if he's lucky. Yeah, and I'll zig where you zag because, yeah, it's it's. I agree. It was a horrible week for Herschel Walker and uh, their response to – there's so many different ways they could have responded to it. Hell, you know, for all I know, they could have said – you know, something to the fact of Herschel Walker used to support abortion and now he uh, he has a different view of it. Um, you know, it's not that uncommon. Even Stacey Abrams said early in her this campaign that she used to oppose abortion rights. She used to support, you know, more abortion limits. And now she supports, you know, abortion rights. So we've seen that before. But my who's down is going to be Stacey Abrams. You know, she had a real tough week the past few days. There was a number of national media stories that were damaging for her, but I think even worse Fair Fight Action, the political organization that she founded after her 2018 defeat, it shortly thereafter filed a far-reaching, far-ranging lawsuit challenging Georgia's voting practices, and it got tossed out by a federal judge who, by the way, was appointed by a Democrat, Barack Obama. Uh, the, the judge, uh, Steve Jones, tossed it out, said, hey, look, you know, Georgia's elections aren't perfect, but there's not grounds to move forward on her claims. So that was a stunning defeat for her. And then add to that a number of new polls that show Senator Warnock in good stead, but Abrams still struggling. So that split ticket dynamic we've talked about for so long here is still in effect. Well, Patricia, who is your who's up for the week? So my who's up this week is going to be uh, Governor Brian Kemp, actually, not for anything that he's really done so much this week. But there is news that um, it looks like gas prices could be creeping back up. That is just an incredibly powerful message for Republicans. And um, it's something that Kemp has used to his benefit quite a bit. And so um, if gas prices do go up, as is projected, it would help uh, the Republican ticket. But Governor Kemp in particular. And my who's up, you know, we're going to flip-flop. Who's up is going to be Senator Raphael Warnock. This reminds me of a stage late in the 2020 runoffs, close to 2021, where Donald Trump was, it seemed like, purposely sabotaging the Republicans. And Senator Warnock, his campaign, kind of sitting back, uh, watching from afar, not trying to go, not trying to, you know, step in, barely even mentioning Trump's name, to be honest, trying to go after their base. You're seeing a lot of the same, you know, Warnock might as well just be eating popcorn. He's not trying to intervene in this. He's not trying to comment. He's not trying to wade into this battle. Instead, he's focusing on his message. And uh, by dint of Herschel Walker's very bad week, Senator Warnock is having a very good week. Well, that is it for our show this week. Patricia and I always appreciate you spending time with us on Politically Georgia. You can count on new episodes of this podcast to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever news breaks. Please rate us. We'd love to hear from you also. Send us messages, emails, tweets, whatever. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, call our hotline. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. 
Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,